Hello and welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and it's just me today actually, Alexis here, because Carly is still in India. So this is a fun episode between me and Kylie, a super amazing, wonderful, powerful woman that I met through a human design training that I'm doing with Leah. Um, I think I talked about Leah before, but she is my human design trainer and mentor, and she has a program going on right now called The Method, and we're her first cohort going through it, where we work with our personal human design charts. So anyway, that is how I met Kylie, and we immediately hit it off in the DMs, and we're voice noting back and forth, and I feel like we just have so many similar experiences and qualities about us. But she is actually, I think, eight years older than me. And she's also a wife and a mom. And it's just so fun to have someone to talk about spirituality, spiritual journeys, human design, and all of these topics who does have that different life experience than I do. So it's just such a great conversation that I'm excited for you to hear. But a little bit more about her is that she also has experience with an eating disorder, an eating disorder recovery. And she talks a lot about that on her own podcast, which is tagged in the show notes. If you want to hear more from her, please go follow her. Um, She's incredible. But she discovered her spirituality and really dove into it through that journey and really felt a connection to herself and the world beyond and just kept digging, which led her to human design. And she has felt a huge connection to human design and implementing it with parenting. Like, you know, I'm not a parent. So human design for me has been really powerful in just understanding myself and how I interact with the world and how I approach my friendships and relationships. And she has seen it transpire through her kids and her kids design and how to decondition herself through using her human design And we talk a little bit about how to do that. So if you haven't looked up your chart, please go look up your chart. I'm taking the link in the description. So you can go look up your chart. It's completely free. But she has used her chart to decondition and work through the things that she thought were true about herself and release what no longer serves so that she doesn't pass that on to her children. Because basically, we're all conditioned according to how we're raised and the opinions of others or the things that our parents or grandparents or caregivers taught us to think were true about the world. And sometimes that serves us and sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't serve us and it doesn't make our lives better, that's when deconditioning is so helpful because you can release that expectation that you had on yourself that actually wasn't yours, it was your mom's. Or you release that belief you had, which actually wasn't yours, it was maybe something that your grandparents taught you to believe. You know, you anything that you're holding on to that no longer serves you and you can work through and realize that it's actually not something that came from you originally because nothing actually comes from you originally. We're all raised in environments that teach us how to be the way we are. Anyway, so that is what deconditioning is all about. If you're new to it or haven't heard that term before, I just really wanted to intro this episode so that you are prepared with that information and you know what deconditioning is because we do talk about it quite a bit. 
And as always, there's tangents in between on all sorts of different things, but some of the main topics that we cover are the deconditioning and parenting, the purpose of deconditioning, which I kind of gave you an intro to right here, feeling seen in human design, the first time that we each saw our charts and kind of that reaction to it and how, as we've learned about our human design, it's just is such a reflection of who we are at the core that we didn't even have words to describe before. Human design is weird like that. It's like, you know who you are, but it's really hard to actually express what that is. And human design kind of gives you the language to talk about it and actually feel really seen in this, in this tool. It's so crazy. As always, I love talking about it. So please reach out if you're curious or want to know more about yours. But we talk about how to use human design to shift your life, creating your spiritual community, what, like how to operate when you're learning about this stuff and maybe no one around you is interested. And we also dive into a really brief stint on mindful drinking and socializing because that also gets really weird when you're going through this growth phase and trying to be healthier physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and everyone around you is still kind of doing the same things. And then you go out to parties maybe, or even out to dinner. And it's kind of weird. It's like you feel a bit separate from that world, I guess. So we dive a little bit into that and and how that's affected us. And then at the end of this episode, Kylie convinced me to draw her or do a tarot and oracle pull for her, which I had never done on a podcast before for somebody else. Um, Yeah, I'm still... Fairly, I would consider new, but I have actually been doing this for a couple of years just for myself, but it was wild. Anyway, I'm so glad she pushed my comfort zone. So stay tuned to see how that goes. But without further ado, I hope you really enjoy this episode. And if you have a second to give us a rating and review, we would absolutely appreciate that. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Let It Flow podcast, hosted by your spiritual besties, Alexis and Carly. We're just two humans figuring things out, and we're here to share this community with you as an outlet for self-discovery and spiritual growth. This podcast is designed to open your mind with conversations that encourage you to ask bigger questions about mindset, spirituality, personal growth, and everything in between. We're passionate about gaining different perspectives on what the universe has to offer. And the one thing we found to be 100% true is that life is meant to flow. We're not here to tell you how to live your life, but to provide you with the tools and knowledge you need to create an experience that feels uniquely you. Tune in every week to awaken your potential and deepen your evolution. Whether you're all in on your personal growth journey or just starting out, let's flow together. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. This is really weird for me because normally Carly is a co-host with me, but she is still finishing up her yoga training in India. So I am doing a solo interview here with Kylie today. Welcome. Thank Thank you you for joining. So I'm just going to read a little bit about Kylie here, what she shared with me. She is an SVP at a prominent tech PR firm, a mom and a wife on a spiritual awakening journey 
that's going to be the basis for her coaching business, where she'll use human design and intuitive energy work to allow women to identify with their true paths and help parents create meaningful tools to allow their children to live in a world free of conditioning and unrealistic expectations. I absolutely love everything that you wrote, and we'll dig into that a little bit more um, because I have questions. We're different in different age ranges here. And so you have the perspective of finding yourself in your thirties and parenting and marriage and all of those topics that I haven't experienced in my life yet. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective on all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what I feel like is so like, even just listening to some of your other podcasts, you and Carly both just seem to, even though you, you're still on the process of like finding who you are. I don't think that that comes at a certain time. Like, Oh, when I reach 30, I'll have it figured out. You might, I think that you are years and years ahead of other people that kind of get to that point and then start coming up with the questions of like, wait a second, what is my purpose? What am I meant to do here? Why am I staying in this job that doesn't fulfill me? Or even having the realization that, whoa, this might not fulfill me in the way that I thought that it should based on how we were conditioned to understand what success should look like based on what our parents said or family members used to say or the path that someone else is on. And I think that it's so amazing that you two are utilizing human design and also just like avenues like podcasting to identify with who you want to become. That is so powerful. And I wish that I would have started this process earlier. That's exactly what I was going to toss in there, that a lot of people say that, that they wish they would have found this stuff earlier. They wish they would have started earlier. And a lot of people get down the road into that job, like you said, or into that lifestyle. Maybe they do have a family and all of a sudden there's a day where they're just like, oh my gosh, what, what's going on? And then there's kind of an unraveling. Whereas Carly and I were have been fortunate enough to have people in our lives to introduce this stuff to us and we've dug into it early on. So I feel like there's still an unraveling for me because there's still the conditioning of growing up, but I would say maybe less so than if I were to have just gone down, down the road and kept doing life as I would have if I'd never discovered this um, and had to unravel it all later. So what was your experience with that? When did you really get into this? Cause I know you are a mom, you have a family, you have a, a business, you have a great job as well. This isn't the only thing that you do. So give us a little insight into who you are and what you do and how you found this work. I feel like going through the motions as just like a child living, trying to kind of find my way. I have, an open identity center as well. And I think that you mentioned that in a previous podcast that you have an open identity center. So (laughs) growing up, I felt like, and because I am a projector and Zodiac wise, I'm a Gemini. So I'm like, I love to be social. I have this introverted side that I'd never really connected with before, but the extroverted side was like very much in alignment with who I felt like I was. Like I loved being out and about and meeting other people and, you know, chatting away and, that was always, that always felt like, oh, Gemini is me. But then when it comes to learning about human design and the fact that I have an open identity center, I never felt like I truly understood who my group was. I could go into a hundred different groups and make immediate connections, but it was hard for me to identify like, is this the true group that I'm meant to be with? So eventually those relationships would kind of either fizzle out or they would just go away And so it was hard for me to kind of build that trust and this is who I am and this is why I'm seeking these people because I always look for validation externally. These people want me in their group, so I must be like them. And then 
that just led into, you know, joining a sorority. For me, I did feel like I really belong here and I have built some of my like lifelong friends from that process, but I did seek those like outside sources for validation. And that led, I think, really directly into the eating disorder that I developed when I was in college, because I was constantly seeking that out outside validation about how I should look, you know, how I'm the president of my sorority. I should do, I should be this, I should do these things. I should look this way. Like, you know, my family, I grew up in a family where we had a number of family friends that were incredibly wealthy and they all looked relatively similar and beautiful, tall, thin, you know, had some work done. And so that for me was always kind of like, beauty is this, it's, you know, obtaining wealth in some way, shape or form, like those things kind of shaped, I was a child actor. So I was always going to go sees and doing fit modeling. So my like reality was based around what size is your waist? What size are your hips? What color is your hair and your eyes? So that like really, I think was potentially detrimental to my open identity center as I developed my eating disorder. And that moment after about almost a decade of dealing with binge eating and bulimia, I realized before I got married, like, I don't want to go into a marriage with this trauma. (laughs) I need to figure out a way to become a more whole version of myself. And so I quit my eating disorder, cold Turkey, which has led to this development process of how I'm identifying like along my spiritual journey, because quitting cold Turkey meant that I didn't process a lot of the internal trauma or you know, inner child work that I probably should have done before just quitting cold Turkey. But now I've identified a lot of those things and coming from the corporate world, being a mom, like dealing with, you know, being on set and doing fit modeling and how that translated into being the president of a sorority. Like all of those things I felt have lent well for me to start a coaching business that's based in identifying with your truest self and how human design can help align that to you. And also the importance that I think that'll play in parenting the children of tomorrow. And, you know, as we're on this, as the world is shifting from the generators to projectors kind of helping to lead us into this next phase, like I kind of feel a deep personal responsibility to help make that shift And even in my astrological chart, like Gemini is very much there. So like creativity, communication, society all aligns with why I'm wanting. So I'm in the process of starting this business. It's not kicked off officially yet, but I'm in the process of building it and developing the messaging. And that's kind of the goal is like, especially for women like you, you're in the process of learning, you know, all about who you are. So how do you look to others who have figured some of this out maybe the hard way without doing some of the work and take some of those tools to apply it to your own life as you look, as you, I don't know if you're in a relationship, but like as you seek a partner and as you identify with the mom, you may or may not want to be like, I feel like there's a big niche there that I'm hoping that I can tap into and help. I, yeah, there's a lot of things that I'm looking at right now. I'm in a shadow work program at the moment that I just started the first week. It's a six week long shadow work course with one of my coaching friends. And what keeps coming up for me as the next thing to work through is relationships and like what type of relationship I want to be in. And it may or may not look like the relationships that have been around me my whole life. And so Mm -hmm. 
I think it can be difficult to go after a life or a relationship or establish your values and what you want when they differ from the people that are closest to you. Um, That's really weird to go through. I, I remember having a journal entry a few years ago, writing about just kind of my thoughts and opinions. I was starting to really pick my personal values and challenge the beliefs that people were telling me. It was just a weird time. I think 22 or 23 after college. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've just kind of been going on with it and just, oh no, this is what my family does. This is what I'm going to do or what I, what I think. And it's just a weird time. Cause it feels like you're doing something wrong. At least that's how it felt to me when I'm like, wait, I actually don't agree with my grandma on this topic, or I don't actually agree with my sister on this topic. And my whole life I'd grown up like, oh yeah, like you back up your family. Like this is what you do. And then all of a sudden you go through becoming your own person and it's just, it's weird. (laughs) It's like an existential identity crisis where you align so deeply with your family and your lineage, but then you're identifying that there are parts about yourself that don't necessarily fit into the puzzle that they've created that you feel that you should easily slip into. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's honestly one of the biggest, I think that that identification, right? Like for yourself is probably like the, one of the biggest moments of growth you can have, because it's hard not to just say, it'd be easier for me if I were to just align myself with this train of thought or this, you know, particular nuance about what a relationship should look like but ultimately you're the only one that can live for you. So, and your family will support you. It sounds like you have a really supportive family. So if you, you know, when you identify what does fully light you up, I can only imagine as a mom, like if my kid had said, I don't totally agree with this and here's why, and this is what really fulfills me. I would just feel like absolute gratitude for them and just the universe for allowing them to have that realization at a young enough age before you're down the path that doesn't feel in alignment with you. And you have to, to your point, like unravel, I see it as like a, a piece of yarn. Like you don't want to have this huge ball of yarn. That's all of the resistance that you've built up trying to follow a path. That's not for you that you slowly have to be unraveling until you're at the end of it. And you then don't really know like, well, what, what is even the substance of what I believe? So the fact that you're doing all of this work now is so instrumental. I, I would think. It's definitely changed a lot rapidly. And I bet, I bet you have a similar experience once you really get into this and you dip your toe and then you put your foot in the water and then you dive in that all of a sudden things rapidly change. And it's almost like you either put on or take off the rose colored glasses. I don't know. You see the world through a different filter Mm -hmm. and you just start to take off the blinders a little bit and process things a little bit differently. Did you have children before or after you really like got into this? Because I, I know there's a lot of people that, like we said, already have their families. Then they go through this work, realize that this is not even the person they want to be, but they already have that family established. They have this life. And now they feel like a different person still in this life that's kind of like fitting a a square into a circle. And it's like, what did I just do? So how did that look for you? So I want to say that I started this work before, before I had my kids. But I think when you become a mom, it's the biggest evolution you can possibly experience just in like body, mind, and soul. Like I felt like I in a way, like knew who I was to the degree in which like how I present myself to the world. 
in a way. But then when you become a mom, I think that so much opens up for you. It's like another layer of the universe that you didn't have access to before. And people will say like, you won't understand until it happens to you. But that is truly the case. Like the, for me, it was at least. And for my girlfriends that are now moms as well, like the experience of growing a child and being the only one to guard the heartbeat, to guard the kicks, to guard the hiccups that they have and knowing like you are this baby's source of, you are literally their universal world at the time that they're being created, that you're holding them and allowing them to grow into your body and your organs are all moving around so that they can fit and like grow into the healthiest little chunk possible. By the time that you bring them earth side, it's like a tectonic shift takes place where any of the work that you did for you to be the best version of you opens up into like a new layer of an, of the atmosphere where it's like any work you've done to that point, you now dedicate to your family or that's how I feel. So I, I don't necessarily feel like I got into this place where I was like, what has happened? Or how am I going to continue to show up as the old me when there's a new me? I just feel like the process was more evolutionary where it wasn't like a old me versus a new me. It's just, I've grown in ways that have better supported the lifestyle that I've built then. And I'm so thankful that my kids are still young enough where I can make I continue to make changes to myself to better myself that will hopefully allow them to be the best people that they can be. My daughter just turned four and my son is 20 months, maybe 21 months at this point. Um, So they're growing into their own people, but it's awesome to also see and be mindful of their design and thinking about you know, what their, their taste is and the way that they operate. And they're not self themes that are so vivid <laughs> because they don't hold anything back. So I would say that there's, it's not too late if you already are, if you're starting this process later on in life, I would say that it's more of a, it's an opportunity for you to show up the best way you possibly can. You just have a little bit of a different perspective because you're doing the work in addition to keeping the lights on (laughs) and like doing all the other things, like getting the kids to bed, giving them baths, reading them stories, but also like being mindful about how you shape conversations that they bring up. Like if my daughter says, do I look pretty? Like thinking about, oh my gosh, at four, you should not be thinking about this and thinking about how my experience shaped how I view myself and being really mindful about how I should talk to her about what beauty looks like and how it's important to be accepting and identify like beauty in everyone you meet because it exists. So like starting some of those conversations early, I think is important. And my kids are mixed. So being able to have like, that could be an identity crisis for them. I actually have to look up if I think I might have to check if they have their identity centers defined or undefined, but those are things that I'm like, I'm acutely aware of now that I probably wouldn't have been if I had them when I was younger. I am thinking about something I read in the bio that I shared earlier that you shared with me talking about helping parents raise their kids in a way that like lessens the conditioning or takes away some of that conditioning. And this is just an open banter if you want to like play with it a little bit, because I was listening to a podcast the other day who was just talking about the universe and the world we live in and kind of toying with the idea of the simulation. And is it ever supposed, are you ever supposed to really be 100% happy here, down here on earth, whatever? Um, And can you ever actually be free of conditioning or are you here to be conditioned? And the whole thing is to go through this process and decondition. 
do you, because I don't think that there's any way, like a parent can't be perfect. There's, there's no perfect parenting. (laughs) You do your best. And like, even people, like I grew up in a great family and I've never been lacking for anything. So grateful for that. Um, but there's still shit that I'm digging up and dealing with. So just kind of a, a fun banter. What's your thought on that? I don't know. I mean, I think that leads into the question of like, what is happiness? Like, how do you define true happiness? Because my version of happy might be different from your version of happy. So to say like, is it impossible for anyone to truly be happy? I don't know. I don't, I think it is possible because if you think about, I believe in the reincarnation and that we're here to serve certain karmic purposes. And the fact in my human design chart, it says that by the time that I'm 50 is when I'll start basically, like I will be at the level that I, it took me 30 years to start realizing was attainable for me. So part of me is like, shit, (laughs) I have a lot of time (laughs) before I get to 50. Like imagine all the work I'm going to have to do to decondition everything that happened the first 30 years based on the way that my chart is reflected. But I do think that it's possible for people to find happiness, but I think that comes with the understanding that what's out there, there's so much more out there that we aren't even aware of. So I don't know. I mean, I think when it comes to parenting, you're always going to worry about your kids. So, and worry if they are happy. So if you can help shape their, if you can help shape for them, like what does happiness look like to you? they probably have a lot greater chance to become happier adults mm-hmm. than those of us who weren't really asked those questions. And we're like, you need to get A's. You need to focus on school. It might not be in alignment with some kids and the way that they learn and grow. So, you know, I don't necessarily think it's as necessary to go to college and do some of those things. Will I want my kids to do it? Of course. But if they are, you know, a hundred percent resistant against that idea, I'll try to understand why, but I do think that in some sense, like we are in a simulation, but it's more about being, are you going to allow the simulation to take control of you? Or are you going to be in control of the way that your simulation is playing out for your time on earth? And I want to have more control of that for myself because I can only control my reality. What's funny is that I always used to be one of those people that was on an airplane and would look down and think that it was so weird that there were people in cars that I've never met that are just driving in the world (laughs) and like how, like it it would blow my mind that there were all of these other experiences that existed that I had no connection to and they had no connection to mine. And it just blew my mind to see like, how are there all these people out there doing all these separate things, like making all these decisions? I don't know that, like, I still think it all the time. (laughs) I have full body chills right now because I do the same thing my apartment faces a highway, which is not ideal, but I, every day I see thousands of cars drive back and forth. And I'm like, every one of these cars is going somewhere. They all have their own agendas for the day. They all are worrying or thinking about something. Someone, I see someone cut someone off and I, I kind of come up with a story of what that person's maybe going through. Uh, Yeah. It is just ridiculous to conceptualize. And then that there's a whole planet and there's people on the other side of the world who are sleeping right now. Yeah. It's so crazy to just think about all of that. I don't know if that answered your question specifically, but that's like the best interpretation I can think of right now. Yeah. I had a follow-up to that. Do you believe that conditioning or deconditioning is part of the reason that we're here? 
That's a really good question because I feel like I truly believe that everyone is here for some sort of a purpose, but then, you know, I don't want to go like dark on this. I think of some things of like the injustices that exist in our world. And I'm like, what would that like child's purpose be with this scenario? You know, like I can't Mm -hmm. imagine how that would have some sort of a play unless it's, you know, a nuance to a greater cause that we're meant to shift globally or societally, societally, uh, that doesn't sound right, but um, like, are we meant to do some shift? So sorry, now I'm, I confused myself on the question. Are we here to make, are we here to decondition? Is like, yeah, like deconditioning. Do you think that's um, like a big part of the process and the reason that we're here? I kind of do um, personally, um, just because that if there wasn't anything to learn or decondition from, then you just think of then would we all be monks? Would we all just be like we Zen. just are? They, yeah, they, then you're like reaching enlightenment once you're like not even yourself anymore. Um, but yeah, this is just an existential question, open-ended. I, like I love your perspective on it, but I almost feel like the power there is that each of us is so different that maybe the process of deconditioning is so that we can each better align to who we are individually meant to be in this like collective whole so that instead of deconditioning so that we're more like we're all doing meditation and we're all doing this like that might not work for some people where journaling or swimming in the ocean might be their form of that process so maybe it's I do think that we are meant to decondition from some of like what the world looked like before and where we're hoping that the world can go like a more sustainable ecological planet in general and like humanity being more in alignment with, you know, supporting each other versus creating war against each other. And maybe that process is meant to help you identify to who you are individually and most aligning to that because deconditioning is still like, can you decondition to become someone else? That's not who you're even meant to be if you feel like you're adopting things that others are doing that you like look up to. And that's something that I struggle with too, is like, is this my idea? Cause I also have an open identity head. or an open head and an open yeah. idea center, an open heart center or throat center. So Me too. <laughs> that makes it really hard sometimes to be like, is this my idea? And like identifying with what, what is my true like, where do I want to take this versus is this just something that I I heard or read that felt like I should be doing? Yeah, I really like human design for anybody listening who might have looked up their chart and we haven't really done a rundown of human design and everything. We haven't done an episode on that yet, but all of the centers that are white or open on your chart are where you're more likely to be conditioned by others. And I wanted to reference that because I've looked at my chart and specifically the open centers that I have, which is a lot. Um, And it's almost like a guide when you look at it. You get to look at the topics of the heart center or of the throat center and see where you could be conditioned there. And then as I dig into those and kind of decondition from what I've been taught under those umbrellas of the centers, it's almost a guide to be like, oh, that this is maybe the direction I want to go. Like, this is where I'm feeling the resistance um, and again, that's me with the open identity looking for mm-hmm. direction and what I want to do, yeah. which I, this is the, probably the most aligned that I've felt ever in my life is right now. So I like the direction it's going, but using the centers defined and undefined to you almost as a 
a guide in that way. It's kind Did of a cool. Did you feel seen tool. when you saw your human design chart for the first time? Well, I think the first initial thought anybody has when they see it is, oh my God, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are all of these things? And there's so many symbols and it's overwhelming. But I did a reading with Leah. So Kylie and I met through Leah, the design of you. We're both in her method program. It's a six-month program working with our human design. So each week is a different topic and we get to really dig into our own charts. So that's how we know each other. We didn't Mm -hmm. even say that in the beginning. We just got right into it. (laughs) But I did a reading with Leah and I had done a lot of Googling right beforehand And that's kind of why I latched onto it. I've always been very skeptical of astrology and things like that because I grew up in a religious environment. So Mm. it was very much don't touch that. Like we don't do that, stay away from it. And I was fairly obedient. So I did not and stayed away from it and judged it because everyone else judged it. So when I found human design, I was like, oh, another personality test. I love that. I'll do it. Hop on board. Love Myers-Briggs. Love Enneagram. And I did it. And then I started reading about my 5-1 profile. And then I read about generator. And then I read about gut instinct. And then I went down the line. And what really hooked me was that I would read about my friends' profiles and I didn't relate to them. Because I think some tools out there are kind of, eh, anybody can read into it. Anybody can relate to it. But I read my friends' profiles and I didn't relate to them at all. And they didn't relate to mine. And so it really felt like, I was unique, which it's the science of differentiation. So that's what really was cool to me that we each felt very seen by it. Me, but like in addition, everybody else too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting. I feel like for me, I've kind of been the same. I love all the type of personality tests, but what made me feel the most seen was that I felt like there was action around it. And Mm -hmm. Like it gave me something to not only react to, but it also was providing actions for how I could better align to what it was recommending. And it felt like when I dug into where I had centers defined or undefined, I was like, no wonder I've been searching for my purpose my entire life. Like none none of those things are clear to me. And then like will and motivation. I'm like, well, no wonder I've tried so hard to find out who I am because I have my ego center defined and my will center is defined. So I'm like, I haven't given up ever on really anything because I have the desire to try to finish what I started and like the will to do things. So that it all just made a lot. It felt like for the first time, it gave me something that I could create some action oriented, like plans around to execute against what it was telling me in a way that felt reachable versus just you're like this and you're more likely to feel this. And then it just leaves it there where you're kind of like, but what now? (laughs) And I feel like it helps give you the, but what now that nothing else really had for me. Yeah. It doesn't just say you are this and put you in a box. It's like, you may feel this way. This is kind of how it can transpire in your life. And I also love how Leah says, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. That's how I live my entire life. It makes debates and conversation and just life in general a whole lot better if you don't take things personally and just have open conversations about stuff. Um, that's why I love the podcast. (laughs) I totally agree with the action it gives you. Um, I didn't understand that quite as much until I had a reading from Leah. That was a little more confusing to understand by myself, especially the centers getting into the centers. I didn't understand Mm -hmm. those super clearly until I had an actual reader explain it to me. 
Yeah, that makes sense. To me, I feel like, and I was going to ask you this question. I'm trying not to interview you because I have a lot of questions for you. (laughs) That's okay. I'll um, be on your podcast. (laughs) In my head, I'm like making a mental note of things I'm going to save to ask you. (laughs) But I, to me, I feel like you seem like an older soul to me. Like you have identified things earlier on and you have gotten to the point that you're at because you have so much more opportunity to like reach whatever that enlightenment looks like for you and share it with other people like your generation. I say yours versus mine. Cause I'm old. I'm like a decade older than you. So I wouldn't say that we're hanging out with the same people necessarily. And like your reach will be different than my reach, but To me, you feel like an old soul where I feel like deep down, you likely know a lot more than you're giving yourself credit for, but because you have the open identity center, you're trying to get what I am trying to still get, which is some of that external validation of like, if I do this work, then maybe it'll finally click for me and not to discourage you, but I think you'll be doing that forever because I'm still doing that myself. But now I'm what, what you're building now that I think is so instrumental is trust in yourself and trust in what is you versus what might be coming from elsewhere. And that's what I'm working the hardest on right now is to help myself build trust in me. And one of the ways I've been doing that is like making a goal for every week. So, or every month, like last month it was, I'm going to do an ice plunge every single night. And I did, except when I was like really sick. And because that did not sound like something that would benefit me at all. And then I forget what else. Oh, I was trying to aim for a hundred miles for the month, whether it would be on my Peloton walking or running. Actually, I haven't run in a long time. Let's be honest. Um, but mainly like through my Peloton. So, and I didn't reach a hundred, but I had set the goal and like my intention was to do it. And that helps me establish trust in myself, which I feel like is hard when you have that open identity center. Yeah. It helped me to travel. And I told you a little bit about that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I quit my job and traveled for multiple months and and was alone for a long time. And I just had this intuitive knowing this was before I found human design. I just knew I needed to go. I didn't know where. I just knew that I needed to do something myself. And so that provided little goals, even if it was, okay, in seven hours, I'm going to reach Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Let's get this seven hour drive done. And then it's like checked off the list or hiking angels landing and saying, okay, I'm going to get up at four 30. I'm going there and stand at the bottom of the mountain and look straight up and be like, all right, I'm getting to the top. It was like little goals, but like lots of little, little goals for three months straight. And that was a really intensive, fast way to build trust in myself. I feel like a lot of the things that I've done have been a little more drastic than I guess most people would do, like quit my job to travel for three months by myself and sleep in the desert alone. I was like, I need to figure this shit out and I'm going to do it now. And that's kind of the attitude that I have. Um, You could go gentle, take years and, you know, do that self-inquiry, take it slow and steady. That is perfectly fine too. But I was like, I don't know why, but I need to learn this shit now. And I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to learn either. So that's been hard. It's like, Like there's something there, but I don't know what the path is. I don't really know what the question is, but I'm determined to figure it out. And you might relate to, (laughs) it's like you you have this feeling. I'm slow and steady. (laughs) The slow and steady. I'm like, for some reason, I'm like, I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do in this life. Maybe this, I don't know. Um, I know I'm on the way, but it's like, almost like I have something behind me pushing me to just like, okay, Mm -hmm. get through these things because you need to get down the road soon. 
or like just you're meant to do that. But I don't do know you what meditate frequently? I did every day in January and then I moved and got a new job and I haven't yeah. a lot recently because and I want to tap so into it. I've been, when I did an intuitive reading <clears throat> with um, this woman from Nashville, we did a, a virtual intuitive reading. And one thing that she said to me is like, it's incredibly important for me to tap into my intuition more if I build a daily practice around meditation and I had started it, but like to get that validation was like, okay. And then I've been recently doing ketamine assisted psychotherapy. And one of the things that came really clear to me in one of those sessions was my, who my core spirit guide is. And I had identified this in a previous meditation session, but now I like ask her specific questions. And I feel like when you, if you do some of the inquiry into like, who is guiding me, like, what are you trying to tell me? And even just asking some of those questions and listening to music or guided meditations, like I feel like that might help you almost because if you're getting that sense, then it's definitely happening for you. I would, that's my interpretation of it. Age doesn't exist when it comes to personal inquiry and like figuring out to me, it doesn't. Um, but I think there's a time, there's a reason and like a rhyme and a reason behind why everyone gets the pull at a certain time um, and how those paths are meant to connect. Before you brought that up, I was going to say, I, I haven't been super consistent with meditating, but I can do consistently full moon and new moon journal meditate um, and pull Oracle and tarot cards. And those tarot has probably been the most consistent thing or the yeah. mo longest thing that I've done for myself. And funny, you might find this interesting. I was at a bachelorette party. It was just kind of at a cabin with 13 girls. And there's one girl who has a shaman here and she's like super into all of, all of the things. Mm. And I had my tarot cards out. I just went out on, on the deck by myself. I was just going to draw because it was a full moon and I was committed to being consistent with that. So I just kind of snuck out there by myself and one girl saw me and was like, do you have tarot cards? Oh my gosh, like draw for me. And then another girl was like, oh my gosh, draw for me. And so before I knew it, I had like seven other girls around and we were just all doing it together, just doing one for each person. And the girl who is, has the shaman really into all this stuff was sitting next to me and she's like, are you a witch? And I'm like, no, I don't know. I just like, I'm reading from the book. I pull, I I don't know. And she's like, no, no, there's more here. And you're just not giving yourself credit. You might not know it yet, but, but yeah, it's more than just that. And I, I got full body chills when she said that, but there's just, and then Even you said I'm that earlier, <laughs> you said that to me early, earlier when we were chatting and I'm, there's a, I think a lot that I'm not giving myself credit for, maybe not giving myself permission, like having that voice in my head, like, oh, are you just making this shit up? Or like, what's, is it valid? You know, and that's still like seeking external, like who's to tell me if it's valid? Like, like mm -hmm. I need to believe in it and totally. stand behind myself. So a constant journey there. Have you ever <laughs> pulled tarot cards during an interview before? No, I haven't. You I pulled one. I actually pulled one. I recorded a solo episode that came out this week and I just I decided to draw an oracle card at the end and it matched perfectly with the episode mm, love so, that yeah I haven't gotten into that much I I'm super curious about it um but I haven't really dug into it much but I I love that I would love to learn more about that maybe we'll save that for when you come on my podcast and I can ask you all about it but that's super that intriguing to me 
It's cool. I don't know. I think some of these tools and just being in the community with more intuitive healers and people, maybe, maybe you can relate. Um, I guess I being a five, one, the one being the researcher, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like, when am I going to get the badge that says you are intuitive? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what that you were, you had me thinking about this a little bit when you were talking just then about like your friend saying there's more here and how you're like, Oh, like it's almost, it's almost the validation to a degree, but what it almost seems like it is more than that is it's not visible. Like there's nothing that is super tangible where you can go to your friends or your family and say, but like, look, you know, I received this certificate in my intuitive nature is valid. Like, and that's hard to prove and then like claim, I think, because it's something that you have to, like, you have to just adopt it when you know it's true about yourself. And that's, that I think is one of the hardest things that could be part of what you're struggling with is that it's like, there's no external badge. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. That says like, you have it, you just kind of have to continue to work on it and build it as like a muscle. And that's something that like, for me, that's, I've been looking more into like Akashic records readings and I really got pulled into that. And I've done a few, I've opened the Akashic records twice. And the first time I felt like I didn't totally know if I was doing it right. And I was way too in my head. And then I just kind of gave it up, but I still am like being pulled there. And eventually I want to have my Akashic records read because I want to see without telling anyone (laughs) beforehand, like without them ever knowing, because no one would ever know that unless I like directly told them if there's something there. But again, it's like, I know it's there, but I, I want someone else to validate it for me because other someone else's spoken word who does feel like they align to that means a lot. So I feel like you're a similar, a similar way when it comes to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to look at what you're drawn to because the, I always say the unique combination of the things that you're interested in are there for a reason and, and like, you just need to chase after it. To me, when I look at my life, It doesn't make sense that I went to fashion school and I've always been interested in fitness. Then I got into mindset, but I also enjoy human design, tarot, creative things. I like like the whole of everything that I've done just didn't seem to make sense. It seems so random and chaotic, which then my open identity center is like, what are you doing? Like you're throwing noodles at a wall. Like what is you? Yeah, I figure you probably relate to and it just didn't seem to make sense. And now it's starting to line up maybe a little bit, but coming together a little bit more. Um, have you felt that? Did, because you're a six too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the six being a three and trying all the things in the yeah. beginning and then figuring out what comes, have you seen it come together for you and be like, ah, that's why that happened. And- the, the six part about like the three phases of life totally resonated with me, um, where I felt like almost like even now I'm getting goosebumps. Like it felt eerily accurate based on the first 30 years of my life. Like I'm 34. So when I found this out a few years ago, actually, I guess I just got into human design within the last year. So it was like, you know, a few years into my thirties that aligned with me a lot. And then the two, the hermit side, but also the like really sociable side, I never would have considered, I would never have been aware enough to identify that part of like that two identity is kind of like the hermit. 
until human design, because I do think that that's accurate. <laughs> like there are times where I find a lot more peace and just kind of being by myself. And it's overwhelming to be in around all of the energy of other people. So I, I mean, seeing a lot of people in my family and around me, there were one threes, which is interesting. Like the knowledge seeker and the researcher and, um, the seer, I think I can't remember exactly what the three means, but the truth teller or something along those lines, but almost every single person in my immediate circle is a one, three. Which it's is crazy, crazy when, you, when you start seeing patterns like that. I have a lot yeah. of manifestors around me, oh, which is really interesting because I was like, oh, there's just more, but manifestors are a, a small part of the population. Yeah. But two of my best friends and my sister are manifestors. So I have a ton of generators around me. Almost my dad is a projector like me, but I would think he's, he's a misaligned projector. And then almost everyone around me. <laughs> my, my dad is a misaligned projector as well. <laughs> he's a one, three also he's a one, three projector. So it's interesting. It, it is, it's more like, and I love the exploration of the patterns because then you can kind of start to make inferences about those patterns. And some of my best friends are project six, two projectors. And I'm like, that is strange because I mean, it's like 20 to 28% of the population I think is projectors, but then to have the exact same, like that's even more rare. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like when I pulled their charts, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> but yeah. then it, it aligned to both of us. And obviously we had different like incarnation crosses and all of those things, which for this might be going too deep into human design. Your guests might be like, what the heck are or your audience might be like, what the heck does that mean? But gives people some cues to look into it because it's super intriguing when you actually start doing the, doing the research and digging in. I had a follow-up question to trying all the things and seeing what, what you're interested in and what comes to you. Cause I've noticed I noticed astrology coming around to me again and again, and then, and I would be interested and then push it away and then like peak and then push it away. Um, and I still don't know a ton about astrology, but the same with human design, it was like someone posted about it and then someone in conversation brought it up and then, and you just start, you know, paying attention to those cues. And then when I started learning human design, it felt like I already knew it reading the manual for the training and researching, I felt like I could read it for hours and hours. And it felt like I wasn't even learning anything new. I'm just wondering if you have any experiences like that with what comes to you in this realm and maybe even human design too, the way that you learn it. Um, but yeah, it just almost feels like it was already a part of me. Like it, it's just really easy for me to talk about. And I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird. So were you, in, when you took tests in school, did they come easily to you? Like test taking, was it easy for you or no? I would say it was easy because I was really good at memorizing. So I could get through a test easy because I could memorize the study guide easy. So I was someone who test taking was really difficult for me. I have great memorization from a visual standpoint. So like if I was taking a test on the 50, like 51 states and all of their capitals, like I could vividly see it in my mind because I like almost could imprint it. But if it was something like math where it required an equation or it required something that wasn't just like kind of black and white, I would like in science, I would deeply struggle with that. And I do feel like Same. my learning style is similar to that. Like 
all have this innate curiosity because I, it's almost to your point. Like, I know, I know this somehow. And some of it, I'm like, yep. I like, I would say like, I feel like I understand that because I know it deep down, but it does still sometimes take me a longer time to like officially learn. Like I know one, three and I'm like, I know, I know it, but can I explain exactly what it is? Not as well. Like it would take me a lot of repetition to be able to feel like I can you know, more accurately speak about all of those things without having to like rely on some of the research. That's so interesting to me because I'm a five one, just like Leah. Leah's a five one generator. Mm-hmm. I'm a five yeah. one sacral generator too. And for anybody listening, the five one is the unique savior. So fives innately want to teach and help people, and people also project onto fives. Um, that I can help them in some way. And so it's very important for me to make sure people know what they can expect from me so that they don't expect, put ridiculous expectations on me and then there's nothing I can do about it. And then they don't like me anyway. It's a whole five thing. And then the one line is the researcher. So helping people with knowledge is my profile. And when that is something that made me feel really seen. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can imagine. I feel like when I saw mine and it said exemplary human, I was like, oh, wow. Like how amazing (laughs) (laughs) where I felt like, oh, I am a good person in a way. Like I, I, you know, it made me feel like great because it just, it sounds like, oh, give me a break in a way, but also like it made me feel really happy at the same time because I do feel like I've always been the person that my friends have come to when they need advice, like existential, I'm having a life crisis. And like, I need someone who can listen judgment free and just provide like a perspective that I might not see. So in my chart, when it said like, you have the bird's eye view on situations that other people don't have access to, that made me feel really understood because I felt like I had always been able to, like when people were talking about things, I almost felt like I can, like, I can see you. I, and I can give a recommendation that was still unique, but, and I was like that growing up as a child too. Like I would always just be like, you know, to people like, hi, I'm Kylie. And I think you should this, or like, did you ever think about this? Where my parents would have to be like, Kylie, like, stop, get over here. Like, stop talking to strangers about (laughs) how how projector of you. (laughs) I know. And like, that made me feel like, it's innately in us. We just don't have the opportunity for exploration when we're young. So that's another reason why for me, I'm like, I want to build that into my business use case because there's nothing more validating for a parent who cares about their child than to be able to make them feel seen because so many of us don't feel seen. And especially when you become a mom, it's, you have less opportunity to feel seen because you're helping others feel seen and provide, you know, a foundation for them to grow and feel heard. So that, that just, I think is, I'm hopeful that there's a market there to help parents feel seen. If you feel that way, there's 100% a market there. I always think I'm never, I'm never the one with a super original thought. There's got to be someone else out there that thinks the same thing or, or needs the service that's coming to you. And it's coming for a reason. I believe that. Mm-hmm. So I think so. Is there anything that you saw in your chart that just made some of your life experiences m- make so much sense? I know there's so many different parts. This is, I have an open emotional center and that just made some things click for me, but I'm just wondering if there's anything that you saw that you're like light bulb moment. No um, wonder this <laughs> happens all the time. So 
I want to just mention again, like the, um, the six, two thing, because it's also Leah's is a little bit different than Jenna Zoe's and Leah's Leah calls it the talented role model. And I have always felt like I just have just kind of fallen into role model scenarios. But one thing where I felt like, oh, whoa, this is like a bit of a, like a mind F for me was the fact that projectors have to wait for an invitation because I have gotten myself into trouble with friendships and people by blurting out opinions that to me, I'm like, I'm only trying to help you. Like that's how my perspective is, but they haven't wanted to hear it and it hasn't been requested of me. And so that was something where I like kind of was like, oh shit. (laughs) Like I might've created a lot of barriers in my life by just jumping in with my feedback without being asked. So now I like genuinely think before I speak sometimes, unless I'm specifically asked a question, um, about it. That was like one of the things that I was kind of like, Whoa. And it wasn't so much that I feel seen. It was more like, I feel my hand has been slapped, but I needed to see that and like, understand that that might impact my ongoing relationships. I pulled up my, um, chart from Leah, another one, the misalignment theme for projectors is bitterness. And I almost think of bitterness as jealousy because to me, I think of bitterness as like, I'm bitter. You're bitter about something that someone else has or is doing or is able to accomplish. And I have felt that way forever. Like I have all these ideas, but because I have my open, like, and now I align it to like, I have an open head, open heart or open throat, like open ideas, all of these things. I'm like, uh, is this like, I'm jealous. I'm bitter that other people are able to so quickly activate on some of the things that they really care about, but like the incarnation cross was one that kind of made me feel sad because mine is the left angle cross of confrontation. And I felt like I've had a lot of confrontation in my life. And that kind of made me feel like, oh man, like of of all the things, like my son's is the sleeping Phoenix. Um, and that felt a lot more like rising from the ashes to do great things in mine. I kind of felt like more confrontation, but now I've adopted it as like confronting what maybe not be working about current systems and processes and being able to confront what needs to change. And that's given me a lot more alignment and made me view it in more of a positive way than if I were to just look at it and say more confrontation, like, great, can't wait. Like, how is this going to show up for me? So part of it is in the interpretation, but also like in the acceptance of, okay, if that is my life's purpose, (laughs) then we better make the best of it (laughs) and figure out you know, how we're going to bring this to the world in a way that makes sense. And in a way that makes me feel like I'm contributing. Yeah. It's funny when you said that you read it and your first thought was like, oh, come on. Like what? Like, it's funny how we always want something different when we don't even know what the thing is yet. Yeah. And Cause I remember seeing my chart for the first time and I only have three defined centers and I looked at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so empty. Why aren't there more colors? And I didn't even know what the colors meant. I didn't know what the shapes meant. I literally knew nothing. And my mind immediately judged my chart and made something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And the more I learn, the more I'm just absolutely in love with my chart. I, I cry almost every time I dig into different parts of it. I learn something new about myself every time I dig into it. And I'm sure you can relate, but that was just a thought that came in when you said you saw your, your cross and you're like, (laughs) ah, dang it. It's hard not to think that because we're humans. Like, and again, it comes back to like the conditioning and the judgment and we're so quick to 
assume there's something wrong. Like why? And that's again, like the bitterness for me is really real when I have to check myself to sometimes say like, if someone is ahead of me in something, or I feel like someone's ahead of me in something, it doesn't mean I'm behind in anything. It just means my path is different. And that's been hard for me with like the perfectionist mindset that I've built around career, home ownership, kids, like in, in unintentionally, I've created that narrative in my head that I now am having to decondition to better align to it's okay to rest. It's okay to like, I used to go crazy before I had kids. If I didn't have plans, like if I didn't have plans for a weekend day, I was like, does no one care about me? No one has, no one has called me yet to ask me like to come out and do something. It would make me feel so anxious to not have something to do. But then again, I'm not a generator. <laughs> so like, I didn't always need something to do, but I felt like I had to be doing something to find purpose. And that has helped me tremendously. There's just so much advice that human design has to give and take and leave. Don't have yeah. to take all of it. Very true. But, but also it's hard not to try to take all of it because you feel like this works in some of it. So that's also like where it can become a little bit more difficult, but it's, I, it's just fun. It's fun to have a resource. I think it is fun. That's what I think. I, there are people that will scoff at it as anything else, but I just think if you find a tool that works for you, awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you use as long as you're a nice human and it helps you keep a positive mindset and enjoy life. <laughs> yeah. So you seem to have like a lot of friends that are on similar paths as you and like in alignment with finding their true selves and like shamanism. Like that is nothing that any of my friends I think would have any idea about like where to find one. Like I would love to find a shaman for myself too, but like, has that helped you feel like you can more easily embrace some of these aspects about yourself because that's been hard for me because no one, no one else close to me is on the same path. So finding like that community has been really hard for me, but it seems like you have that as like a big benefit. So I wouldn't say that I originally did, I guess, Carly, my, my co-host, you will meet her eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. She grew up with her mom, who's always been kind of into these things. And in the past, I would say 10 years, her mom has gone on an insane spiritual journey, very much knows that this is her last lifetime. Like she's, oh, wow. she's an incredible human being. I can't wait for us to have her on the podcast for a talk, but Carly grew up around that and I met her in fashion school. So this is where I, you see everything's coming together. Yep. I, I met her and a couple of my other best friends as well. And so she was the one that had tarot cards and I ended up, we ended up living together in college and she had them out and I would just kind of peek over her shoulder and then leave the room and be like, no, I'm not doing that. And by the end of the year of us living together, I would like knock on her door. I'm like, Carly, can you draw a card for me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I ended up buying my own deck. So that was kind of the initial community I had was just her because again, I was very skeptical and I wouldn't trust a stranger telling me anything, I, but she was my best friend. So talking to her about it. And then when I decided to travel, I really wiped my Instagram of anything that made me feel icky, judgmental, triggered. I kind of paid attention to what that was, but then also just released any of those accounts and replaced it with people that inspired me. So I intentionally did that because I figured if you are the five people you spend time around, 
mm-hmm. my phone is probably number one. So that's what I did. I cleared that out and cultivated that. And then as I did my coaching certification program, and I've been in a couple other programs, I've made friends that way. Um, so I've met people through that. And then I think that I have gotten some of my friends interested in this stuff. Um, Carly, I would say is probably the only one that was in it before me and in, in yeah. my circle, but now friends come over and they're just like, Oh, it's a full moon. Like you want to do like, mm-hmm. should we do tarot cards or I invite them. That's yeah. taken a lot for me to get comfortable, like inviting people because I have been scared of rejection, I guess, or judgment, probably judgment more than rejection. Like, yeah. So anyway, now I invite my friends to take part in it or I'm like, Oh, you want me to draw, draw a card for you? Or I don't know. So I've intentionally created that community because I knew I needed it and it's helped a lot to have other people to talk to about it. Yeah. That's very brave. Even just the, even just the idea of clearing your Instagram, like clearing your energy of things that don't serve you. I've been slowly trying to go through that process, but then I inadvertently get down a rabbit hole, um, of like other things. And so, but that's been something that's like, it is on my to-do to try to incorporate more things that light me up and that interest me in this way. Like this, I am being heavily pulled towards a spiritual path and I can't explain the why. And I think for a lot of people, they're kind of like, you are always like the crazy party girl. And, you know, like now we're seeing like this different side of you. And it's just- I think we're the same person. It's just kind of strange. (laughs) And- it's like, I totally understand that because that part of you still exists. Like, you know, call me for a good time type of thing. Like I'm always down for it. Like, because I love the interaction and the, you know, whatever, like that's a different story for a different day. But I I do think that it can be, I don't want to say triggering for some, but when I feel like, because a lot of my girlfriends are moms, wives in long-term careers, it can be more a like abrupt to automatically see a shift when someone's kind of going down a path of identifying more about themselves and facing some of those like harsh realities that you, you never really dealt with because you were busy drinking and partying and not really focusing on the, the moments when you're by yourself and giving yourself the moments to be by yourself. It's almost like a lot of my generation, I feel like avoids that at all costs or a lot of my friendships, I feel like we're based on avoiding that at all costs. So that's, it's been, that's an interesting part of my journey. Like you have a lot of room to kind of build who you want to go down this path with. And I feel like I'm, I I feel like I'm in the process of doing that, but it's, it's harder for me now to feel like I'm building a community of like-minded people when it doesn't feel as attainable to me as it might have, if I could go to events and do things more easily without having to show up as like a wife and a mom first. So that's one thing that I think is going to be so awesome for you. Like, I can't wait to follow your journey of how you continue on and build so much for yourself. Oh, well, I'd love to meet people in person because that's, it's one thing to have virtual people to talk to and voice note them through Instagram. And it's all great. And I'd say that some of those girls know me better than, um, better than a lot of other people in my life that have known me longer just because we're into the same things, you know, but it's still not meeting people. Like I would love to meet you in person. (laughs) I really value that. Where do you live again? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. And you're in California. 
Mm-hmm. I'm in the Bay Area. Gotcha. But a note that on what you said that came up when you were talking about the drinking and partying, that's another thing that I feel like in my life was a stint that just went really fast. Like I got to college, I drank and went out Wednesday to Saturday. I was that girl that started and finished the party. Like (laughs) (laughs) I was always there. And, and then in the past year and a half, I've really cut back when I started driving and traveling, obviously I wasn't drinking and driving. So I cut back by, by kind of force there. And then really intentionally in this past year, just because it makes me feel like shit. So, um, it's like, I, (laughs) it's, I, yeah, that's what I hear. So that's another thing that I feel like having my social media cleansed, if you will, and having the positive influences that I've curated there. And then having friends that are also working on themselves, I kind of forget about the whole lifestyle that I had before. And then I go out for dinner. Like I'm going out with a friend tonight for dinner and it's so jarring to go out and like the loud music and everybody like drinking so much alcohol. And then like, there are still clubs and parties and yeah, some people are still doing that, which is totally fine. Totally fine. I will participate if I feel called to it, but I just don't right now, but I just kind of forget like the, again, all the people in the world that are living their own timelines and participating in whatever they feel called to participate in. And I just kind of forget about it, you know, when you're so into this stuff. That is such a good point. And my girlfriend and I went out, we went to a Kane Brown concert recently and we had floor seats. So we were like in the thick of all the action, which was so amazing, by the way. Um, Oh God, he's. So I was good. jealous. I I saw your videos. <laughs> <laughs> I watched all You're of them. So um, but it, there was like a time when we were just sitting and we were just like people watching, and then we like looked at each other and made eye contact, and we were like, we were her before. Like, how strange is that? That that used to be us, and now we're here, moms sitting. Like, obviously, we had a great freaking time, but it was almost like it feels like an another time. And like where time does not feel linear in that regard. Like that feels like another lifetime. Like when people say it feels like another lifetime, I'm like, maybe it is like, you know, time does not exist. I don't believe in the way that we think that time exists. And like, also one thing that I heard on a podcast recently about alcohol and like the sober curious and like what I'm drinking is it's called hard kombucha bubbly, but it's hundred percent alcohol free. And it's, it's like a more of an adaptogen drink, which I'm really into right now. Um, but this podcast was talking about how there's a reason why in the old days they used to call alcohol spirits because it opens up your crown center to allow you to literally become someone else. Like once you open that vortex, it's almost like doing a Ouija board to a degree. You allow other spirits to come in. And like, when people say you're not you, when you drink, Well, maybe that's why, because it's like you're opening up. So that's why it used to be called like spirits and why you still see stores that have been around that say like, we sell spirits or like get, you know, like you'll see the sign under that or above the alcohol that says spirits. And I thought that was so intriguing because I was like, wow, like, cause sometimes I would drink certain things and people would be like, you turned into a different person. And I'm like, well, that's strange. And even the idea of blacking out, but still like I used to unintentionally blackout all the time. And that happened when I was really young, when I first started like exploring alcohol. And apparently there's 
proven science that says that if you black out when you're younger, you are more likely to have like unintentional blackout moments when you get older and continue to drink. And so that I found very interesting. And I was like, okay, like, I don't want that to happen again. And being more mindful around that and intentionally, like I went to the Super Bowl this year and I had to intentionally set up like a bubble for myself, for my own energy, (laughs) like, energy protection, like spells to a degree about, I'm not going to let anyone else's energy infiltrate my bubble because there are so many people here and I have not been around a crowd this big in years. So, and that I had the best time because I was so intentional about doing that. And at the concert, I hadn't done anything like that. And I felt severely overwhelmed at times by all of the energy that was like around me. So that's, it's just like an, it's interesting when you start to put some of the parallels together about that lifestyle and what you were craving then versus what, what you crave now. Yeah. I have some of the <laughs> remember when, or on this day, five years ago. And I'm like, Oh no, what was she up to now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know sometimes I don't look at those. And then sometimes I do. And I'm like, Whoa, I forgot about that. I think it's shifted a little bit for me recently. I watched a whole bunch of them yesterday on Snapchat. It was like seven, six, five, four years ago. I used to click on them and feel ashamed or judgmental of myself and like, Ooh, you don't want to watch that or absolutely not and avoid Mm -hmm. it. And now I'm able to look at it and I'm like, you're being ridiculous, but it's kind of funny to look back and it's a symbol of growth in so many ways. You are so wise for your age. (laughs) You really are. Thank you. (laughs) Again, I never give myself credit. So I guess, thank you. I'll accept the compliment. Yeah, totally. That's, I feel like it's hard to do because it's like, you feel seen, but you're not used to feeling seen by other people until you like start exploring yourself and you're like, oh, this tool makes me feel seen like Tara or whatever. But then when someone else validates you, even though it's like you want that validation, but then when you get it, at least for me, sometimes when I get validation, like from a girlfriend, I'm like, I almost immediately feel really small or super exposed. And it's hard for me just to be like, I will accept that. Like, or just to say like a thank you without feeling like I need to then like, Oh, anyway, like, you know, move on, divert, divert the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I need I'm working on getting better at that. And just, I don't know. I don't know if it's growing up in the Midwest and being humble and like, you know, don't brag, be polite. Like, I don't know if I just latched onto some of that type of conditioning or if that's just society in general and being a woman too, but yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I don't really like, I think it's also how you grew up with compliments did you grow up with many compliments? Did it make you feel uncomfortable? Were they based on appearance? Like, I feel like all of that plays a role into some of that also. Like, I always felt like some of my compliments were based on like, you look so pretty or something versus like, that's a very smart way to phrase that. You sound very intelligent. Like, I don't remember ever getting anything like that. So now at work, when someone says like, wow, you're so smart or something like that, it makes me almost feel really embarrassed. And like, I have imposter syndrome. And then I have to realize like, I actually am smart and it's hard to, that's another thing that about deconditioning is it's really hard to decondition from everyone else in my family was always smart. So I felt like I just immediately tried to play this other role because Mm -hmm. I was like, that doesn't align to me. I guess I'm not the smart one. So I'll try to be the funny one so that 
because they they're not as funny as me. So then I can really like I'll just go all down that path and allow them to continue to be smart because I'm definitely not smart. So it's kind of some of the negative self-talk that you have to that's what I'm finding that I'm deconditioning from more so than anything else is my own negative self-talk versus mm-hmm. like how I was raised. Yeah, I feel almost swapped of that. I never felt like the cute kid, even looking at my middle school photos, like they crack me up. I love her so much. Now I look at yeah. them and I mean, I show people and I used to be ashamed to show people pictures of me in middle school because I was, <laughs> it's I mean, just funny. She's so cute. No one in middle school. Was no one. No, she was not living her best <laughs> life, but it, it is like the funniest photo. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post it someday because I mean, I love her now. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't really get those compliments. So I think I really relied on knowledge, which again, as a five one yeah. mm-hmm. makes, makes a lot of sense. sense. And I always have wanted to have that foundational knowledge. Like I, I got straight A's. I was number one in my class. I got straight A's through college. And that was always something I was complimented on was how well-spoken I was. You're an old soul. I got that mm-hmm. all the time. The fact that I could talk to adults, um, yeah, I can talk to anybody of any age. I always say I can talk to a brick wall, but I grew up in the church again and like, go say hi to Dorothy, go say hi to Jim, (laughs) like go like talk to everybody. So I have always been complimented on that. And so now I feel like I'm deconditioning a lot of my self-judgments on appearance and like attractiveness. I don't know being, I don't know. It's a really weird thing that I'm, that I'm working through because- Uh, Like I never got straight A's ever. I barely had a high enough GPA to get myself into college because I did not try at all. Like I genuinely was afraid to try and fail. And I think that that was part of what I'm working through now is it's okay to try because you don't know what's going to happen. You can't see the outcome. Let's manifest the outcome like in partnership with the universe. Like the first time I ever got straight A's was in college when I was on my own. Besides that, I had never applied myself because I was too afraid of the like feedback of no, this, you're not doing it right, or that's not it. And so when I finally was on my own, I was like, I'm going to just give this a try. (laughs) Let's see what happens when I exert myself. And then I started getting straight A's and like seeing a whole new side of myself that was so validating. That I was smiling, not because you didn't apply yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I had a thought come up. So I went to design school and I had this professor that was really difficult and it was color theory class. And we had to make these artwork, digital artwork things and use design elements. Anyway, regardless, I hung mine up on the wall and in front of the whole class, she walks in front of the artwork, looks at it, looks at me and says, just so you know, you're not a failure if you have to start over. And at the time I about bawled my eyes out. I was pissed off, angry, and I will never, ever forget it. And now it came into my head the other day and I was like, you're not a failure if you have to start over. Okay. Like I can live with that. Let's, let's try again. And so it's come full circle, but, but like that type of stuff in human design has allowed me to really just put faith that everything is exactly as it should be your design is your design. You're not changing it. You just learn how to work with it and take and interpret it in the best way possible for you. But trying and applying yourself and just knowing that 
whatever's meant to be will be whatever mm-hmm. however it pans out is how it's supposed to pan out because it is yeah it's almost like imagine that you were doing something just because you loved the idea of it and you wanted to see what happened with it and no one else on the planet existed almost like you're just doing it because you want to and that's how i'm like trying to approach this new business venture of mine is I have to go into it without an attachment to the outcome or an attachment to other people's expectations because that has not served me and it won't ever serve me in how I will feel like fully defined and aligned with what's like pushing me to your point about like something is pulling me. I am having the exact same experience just like in a different time frame. So following that and knowing like you will never I don't think you'll ever look back and beat yourself up for having tried, even if it, the outcome becomes something that you well, you weren't hoping for that you couldn't have expected. What if it turns into the greatest thing that you never thought you could build? Like mm-hmm. there's so much room for potential in yourself. And I think being able to find that potential in yourself and just believe it is the most powerful self-realization that you can come to in any lifetime. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I think we've talked for like an hour and a half. Maybe that's a good way to end it. Next time we'll meet on my podcast and pick up some of the pieces that we dropped down like tarot. Oh yes. That'd be so fun. I've, like I said, I've never, I've drawn for other people, but yeah, I'm still like not giving myself the credit. So it'd be fun to just, you know, see what happens. I know. I like want you to go get them now and just pull one for me and see what happens and see if you can give yourself some validation there or just me because I'm just so curious. I mean, about it. I can, I can always delete it out of the episode. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I love the deck that I have. Yeah. I feel like also when you, I feel I'm going to keep talking while you're walking over there, but I feel like finding if you, when you're into something like this and you find something that visually appeals to you as well, one of like my vision is outer vision. So like beauty and design and fashion, like for me literally are just like, it makes like, I love like a well set up room and area and finding tarot cards. Yeah. I love that. We've got I'm the same. Vibe going on. Um, <laughs> but finding I've looked into a lot of tarot cards, but I've, struggled to actually buy one because I want to find the one that I feel like aligns with me most visually so that I'm, I always look forward to seeing it. This is the one that I have called the wild unknown. And then the crazy thing is I went to New York to visit my mom. Actually, my mom's high school friend lives in Brooklyn with her husband. And so I visited them, told them that I have this deck and she's like, Oh, that's my friend, Kim. She made it. What? Isn't that weird? Yes. Yeah. That is like a synchronicity you can't make up. Right. And they sell this and like, I've seen it in Urban Outfitters. I ordered mine on Amazon, um, but they, you, you'll find the wild unknown in most shops and it's so beautiful. But, and then I have the shaman's dream. I really like drawing a tarot card and an Oracle card. Cause an Oracle card has more of just, you know, that deep message tarot also does, but it's more of like kind of an overarching theme. I feel like it's less specific and I just kind of Hmm. read into it and relate it to my life. Okay. Well, yeah. Shaman's dream, like an Oracle card is going to be more of that might be a page or two pages long of like a a deep message to hear. Um, and I always draw one of each, so I'll draw you one of each. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. Me too. This is great. (laughs) 
I was like, I'm going to go on Amazon. I have an Amazon gift card. I'm going to buy myself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is there anything specific that you want me to draw for or just in general, what you need to hear right now? I feel like Something. I need validation on my business venture almost because it's like, I had a moment of, I had many, many moments where, you know, and I'm in the process working with building it. Like I'm, it's being built right now, website, branding, logo, everything. But I've been starting to feel a little bit like anxious about, is this going to work? Am I wasting my time? Like, do I really have something unique to offer? So that's been, I've been questioning myself again and going through that, like that period. So that's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this card fell out while you were talking, so I'm going with it. Okay, let's go. I know I saw that. that. (laughs) And then this is the Oracle. So I'm just going to shuffle. What is specifically making you doubt? I almost feel like what's it's it's not that there's not a market for it. So it's not the market thing. It's more me. Like, will people think I'm capable of this? Like, will people trust me to help them with this? That's like so vulnerable. makes me feel so exposed. <laughs> but that's truly what I'm what I'm feeling. What would be the reason that they wouldn't trust you? I don't know. I don't know that I have a, I don't know that I have a reason. I just am doubting myself. Okay. So I'm assuming that other, if I'm doubting myself, I assume that other people must be down. Other people would doubt me as well. It's that negative cycle that I continuously am trying to break. Okay. I'm going to go with these two. The colors kind of match. I like that. So we have the two of wands. Mm, Hey, and that looks like a Gemini thing. This is a tarot. And then we have mindful card number 40 group think. So yeah, they're both, both very rainbow. Oh yeah. Love that. Rainbow colored. So I'm going to read what they mean. Okay. Let's do it. This is where I get impostery because I don't have them all memorized and I can't just like whip out the definitions. And that's a very line one thing of me to want to do. (laughs) No, that's fine. I'm I'm just putting you on the spot. The two of wands stands for determination and direction. With the two of wands, it's clear you're on your way to success. You've focused on a goal and have boldly pointed all efforts in that direction. Since the suit of wands deals heavily with the mind, take this time to become aware of your thought patterns, specifically toward yourself. What is the quality and tone of your thoughts, mostly positive or negative? How well do you treat yourself on the journey to your highest dreams? Holy shit. <laughs> I have goosebumps. Oh how my that, gosh. Like, how was that the one that fell out? Crazy. And my bracelet, my angel number bracelet is three. It's oh, all twos. Yeah, it's all twos. <sighs> oh, I have goosebumps. That's crazy. Let's see what mindful is. I think I've drawn this one before too. And what I think is so crazy about having decks like this is that I've pulled so many times and I've repeatedly pulled cards. Like I have not seen all of the cards in this deck. Yeah. I, and I've definitely drawn this one before I've drawn the fortunes wheel at least three times. I, every time I draw, I'm like, Ooh, I want to see a new one. And it'll throw the same one at me. And I, I just look up and I'm like, you bitch, I understand. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to see a different card, but I guess not. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay attention this- now. Okay. I'll take the same message. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. 
mindful. The human mind can be so many things, a prison, a latrine, a circus, a temple, a cave. It can be a place of restriction or a place of never-ending expansion. Right now, be careful of where you wander in your mind. The quality of your thoughts is key as you're in a fertile time for full manifestation. You want to ensure that the seeds you plant will sprout and flourish into the life you seek to grow. Be mindful not to scatter weeds. It's easy to be influenced by others right now too. Especially in our digital age, it's hard to protect yourself from the energy and the sheer amount of information bombarding you 24-7. If you allow all the fear and uncertainty to pollute your mind and emotions, you will fill yourself up with this negativity and then see more of it in the outer world. Stay out of gossip and other forms of groupthink for when you cut another person down to their level due to their perceived mistakes or limit them by your envy, you you activate lack for yourself. So fill yourself with thoughts of plenty. Imagine your universe unfettered by security and alive with abundant hope and goodness. Be mindful of what your mind is full of and keep the faith. Good brings more good. Love more love. Gratitude brings more things to be grateful for. Both of them had to do with like clearing exactly what's been on my mind. That is so crazy to me of all the things, both of those literally focus on exactly what I just told you about. That makes me feel happy. I'm like, okay, so I need to focus that what I'm doing is right. I'm on the right path. All of the doubts I'm having, I need to just put them away and work with my manifestation to bring my vision to reality. Yay. Oh my gosh. That was awesome. I'm so glad we did that. That was really fun. Thanks. I enjoyed that. Thanks for pushing me, me to do that. Yeah. Before we go though, I want you to talk about yourself a little bit, promote yourself. Cause I know you have a podcast. I do. Do you, and if you have any more to say on your business, please mm-hmm. let us know where to find you and all of that um, good stuff. Well, I'm at Kylie Mojadidi, which is a long last name, but that's where I'm at on Instagram. And then my business, uh, it is going to be called golden hour with Kylie. And the reason that it's going to be called golden hour with Kylie is because in spirituality, the first hour of the morning that you're awake is called the golden hour. And that is when you really set your intentions for the rest of the day and really align with who you want to be and how you want to show up. And then in photography, um, and for me, outer vision is my main is my like strongest sense in human design. So that aligns to me to photography and the golden hour in photography is the last hour that the sun is still up before the sun sets. And it's one of the most beautiful times to take photos where you get these magical images and you can only get them at golden hour. Um, this, the way that the sun is setting behind wherever it's setting. And so for me, the business is really around how do you identify with that version that you want to be at the golden hour and align that. And I will utilize human design, energetic work and work both with, you know, adults and parents and their children, ideally to help people better align with the, the person that they're truly meant to be eliminating any of the negative self-talk or misbeliefs that they've grown up to adopt. And that will be coming soon. It will be golden hour with Kylie.com. And my podcast is Kylie says, and on Kylie says, I talk about all the things, including recovering from my eating disorder, being a mom, a career woman, um, in an executive level role and living in the busy Bay area and how I'm trying to kind of condition from the hustle culture that exists here that I've grown up with my entire life and what adopting my spiritual path has looked like and all of the things that come with it. And there we do interviews and I get real on topics like dealing with, you know, the recovery of my mindset from eating disorders 
I talk about things like my psychedelic journey and how it's helping me recover and just being a human being in this crazy world. So I would love for anyone to stop by if that sounds of interest to them. Amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for coming on. This has been so much fun. I will tag all of your stuff in the show notes. So anybody listening, if you want more of Kylie, go there. You'll find all of her handles and links to all of her things. And we will see you in the next one. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. And to show our appreciation for you leaving us a review, Carly and I thought it would be so much fun to give away free mini readings. And all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot it, and DM it to either Carly or me, whoever you want to receive your mini reading from, and get your body graph on the website. And we will voice note you back and forth in the DMs. Obviously, this is going to be more of a basic reading to help you get to know your energy type and your profile and answer a few of your questions. If you would like a deeper reading, more comprehensive, get to know all the details or to ask certain questions about your life and really analyze those from the perspective of your human design chart and maybe the steps you can take in your life, that is something we can cover in a full reading. So my booking link will be in the show notes and Carly does readings upon request. So please reach out and DM her as well. With that, thanks again so much for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.